Good morning. Do you guys remember me? Uh, Janelle and I had the privilege of going to be with our little granddaughter and see them on the base that they live on, a marine base in Hawaii. It's paradise, guys. I mean, 70 degrees as a low and 80 degrees as a high every day. When Christy was asking about snow, when we landed, we were like, what's this white stuff on the ground? (laughs) Like, brr, it was cold. But uh, here's the good news. Do you want some really good news? Pitchers and catchers report for spring training February 15th. All will be right in the universe again. Now, we're super grateful for what we got to do. Thank you for being such a supportive church family. I love you guys. It's just seeing people this morning. It's excited to be here. So let me pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you so much. Even when we don't realize it, Lord, we need you. You are the creator and sustainer of all things. You're our redeemer. And Lord, I pray, Lord, I feel so inadequate to teach this passage of Scripture this morning. God, I humble myself before you and before my church family and just ask for your, your help, Holy Spirit. I need you. We need you. Open our hearts, our minds, Lord, that we would have a correct, better view of who you are as Father, Son, and Spirit, and how that affects our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you were to ask somebody on the street, like, what are the biggest problems facing the world? You'd get probably a variety of of answers, right? Depending upon somebody's uh, where they are in their faith or their, their ideology or any of these kind of things. But I did the Google search to see um, what people were saying, and basically the the top five problems were, number one was poverty, big problem. Do you know that each one of us in this room are, we are in the top 7% of the richest people in the world, that 93% of the world lives at the poverty level, so we need to always be grateful for that. Uh, drug abuse, that's a big problem. Disease is a big problem. War and terrorism. And then pollution, these are all real problems. We're in this series where we've been going through the Bible since Easter. We started in the Old Testament, worked our way through the Old Testament. Now we're teaching from the New Testament. And uh, Kristen did an amazing job the last two weeks. Can we give that up? Give it up for her. Appreciate you. It's not easy to do on a weekly basis. She was like, I don't know how you do this. I'm like, I don't know how I do it either. But, <laughs> um, but we've been reading through the Bible, right? Many of us have been on the Bible reading plan, and we're finishing up the, the Gospels this week. But what we're going to do is kind of use the Gospel of John sort of as our path, but using some of the other things about the life in ministry of Jesus up until Easter and culminate in in the resurrection. And we'll figure it out from there on how we get through the rest of the New Testament. But that's kind of the track that we're on. 
And I've titled today's message, Out with the Old, In with the New. We're in a new year, right? Out with the old, in with the new. And I believe the passage that I'm about to read and teach from diagnoses humanity's biggest real problem, the problem behind all problems, and that it gives the solution, the problem and then the solution. Here's what it says. And remember, in the Gospel of John, this is John, the apostle, the eyewitness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's an important stop real quick. The word with there is the Greek word pros, which literally means a a face-to-face relationship. That the Father and Son have always been in this perfect, eternal relationship, others-centered, loving, perfect through the Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God. He is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Meaning we could go to the farthest end of the universe, Jesus made that. Everything was created and is sustained by Jesus. And apart from him, nothing came into being. That has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. Talking about John the Baptist. Kristen talked about him two weeks ago. He came as a witness to testify about the light. That's Jesus. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is a word that could be translated tabernacle, like in the tabernacle in the wilderness, like he was amongst the children of Israel. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Very important verse. No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten God, or God the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he's explained him. Jesus, in his humanity, taking on flesh, the incarnation of what we just celebrated at Christmas, he's explained what God's like. If you don't know what God is like, look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and then you will know what God is like. So the problem that's diagnosed here in this passage is darkness. It's, it's the human mind, this darkness that comes over our mind that leads to all the other bad behavior, stuff, wars, etc., 
It's darkness. And darkness is think, this thinking that God is somewhere out there and he's disinterested in us. He doesn't care. That's the, the thoughts that the evil one has been sowing since the beginning. That God's disinterested, he's out there, he doesn't, he doesn't really care. Jesus came to clear that up. And he is the solution to the darkness. Light is the solution to the darkness. Now we become like our vision of God. If God is an angry old person waiting for someone to just step out of line, then we, we become that type of person. If, if we think that God's always disappointed in us, then we project onto him all these things that are not true about God. Jesus came to clear that up. So let's first look at out with the old. Out with the old. How do we go out with the old? I would say this. Throw out the old way of thinking and relating to God. We all have some stinking thinking, right? We have, we have misunderstandings or projections that we put onto God. And it affects our life. It affects our relationships. Um, trash day in our neighborhood is Monday. And... I kind of have this weird thing. I love trash day. Do you? Anybody? All right, Joel, you're with me. I, I, I like trash day because especially like after Christmas or whatever and things pile up and it's just your, your trash can's got the thing open and the wind blows where we live a lot and I just want to get that trash out of here. We need to weekly take out the trash in our mind. We need to weekly say, Father, if I'm not thinking right about you, would you please help me to think correctly? Help me to see your face in the face of Jesus. So important. A.W. Tozer said that what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because it dictates how we're going to live. So what is the old way of thinking, the old way of relating to God? It's humanity's delusion and darkness. And it goes back to the very beginning in the garden. If you remember in Genesis 3, in chapter 1 and 2, God creates. And he says to Adam and Eve, he says, man, be fruitful and multiply. Grow this garden. Steward this garden. But you can eat from any of the trees in this garden. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life. The tree of eternal life. And he said, but don't eat of this one tree. I'll make the, this little table. <laughs> don't eat of this tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that. Because if you eat of it, you're going to die. You'll die. And he's, he's giving them a, a warning. That's, that's not for you to eat from. And as you know, we heard this a lot, that, that the serpent or the evil one comes to Eve and he gets her to question God's word off the bat. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from the tree? And she rightly responds and says, yeah, he said if we eat of it, we'll die. And then he gets her to question God's character. And he says, oh, he's holding out on you. He knows that if you eat of it, you will become like him. In other words, God can't be trusted. That, that was the lie that was being sown into the, the mind of Eve. And she was tempted, desired it, it looked good, this wisdom that she could get. And she ate, and Adam stood right by there, by her side, and said nothing. And then he ate too. And we know that's where death and sin and the fall entered into humanity. Now the lie that happened in the garden 
is this assumption of separation. It's this assumption that God's out there, distant and disinterested. He's holding out on you. He can't be trusted. And as we read through the Old Testament, how many stories did we read where the, the failure always came in in not trusting God? And that's, that's what God wants you and I to trust Him, to love Him. And so again, that's darkness. God's out there and He's disinterested. So the problem is not with God. The problem's with us. The problem is not with him, it's, it's with us. We're, we're, as we're going to see in a few other verses, we're, there's a delusion over the minds of people that the evil one sows. Now, you've got to be very aware of this. There is an evil one, all right? There is an evil kingdom of darkness that wants to come kill, steal, and destroy. You've got to be very aware of that. But Jesus came to give us life, and through his life, death, and resurrection, he, he unhooked the power of the evil kingdom. Now we have his authority. Now we have his power residing in us to walk in the way of Jesus. We as believers cannot think like unbelievers. Unbelievers have all kinds of weird thoughts about God. I know I did before I became a believer. Anyone relate? Just two of us, okay. We all did. And we all do right now. Let's be honest. Even people who believe, we, we, we've been taught some things that need to be unlearned and learn to see God right. That's my whole hope and prayer all week is that that would happen for us. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 diagnoses this. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord... I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. If we're not looking into the person of Jesus to understand what God is like, we're going to get into a delusion. Now, Sometimes we just tend to always make these types of of verses just about morality and behavior. And of course, that's important. But what the Apostle Paul wants you and I to know is that what's behind bad behavior and morals and immorality is this thing, our minds, the way we think. So important. Behavior, thoughts lead to feelings and feelings lead to actions and behavior. So sometimes we try to go change a bad habit or a bad behavior, but we haven't changed our thoughts. Starts in the mind. You got to change your thoughts, that will change your feelings, and then your behavior. The whole part of delusion. Do you remember the movie, A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe? Anybody see that? Um, It's an intense movie because at the beginning, you get this picture that he is this espionage spy involved in all this kind of world stuff I think the set place at the time of the cold war and as the movie progresses you realize mm, this guy is schizophrenic and he's he's got mental problems and watching him not live in reality it was quite uncomfortable that's uncomfortable now my dad passed away a couple years ago and the last five years of his life, he had dementia, progressive dementia. 
lost his short-term memory. And that was hard to watch. Anybody who's ever had a family member go through dementia or Alzheimer's, that's, that's difficult to watch. But dementia is more about the short-term thinking, the frontal lobe of your brain. My, my dad couldn't remember what he had for breakfast, but he could name the 1951 Yankees lineup. I mean, he could remember his address growing up as a little boy. But as it progressed, you know, there were some difficult things that we had to, to deal with watching our dad not be in reality. And he would get to a place, like after my mom passed away, he, he'd call me and he would say, hey, Scott, um, where's your mom? And I'm like, oh. And I didn't know what to do. We didn't have the tools at the beginning of, of what to do. And so I said, oh, dad, she passed away. She, she's in heaven. And he'd be like, man, you'd think I'd remember something like that and kind of have to go through this grief process over and over. One time he, 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 he said, where's your mom? And I said, oh, she's in heaven. He said, man, you'd think I'd remember something like that. It's kind of like a broken record. And he said, well, what's my purpose? If I can't remember anything, especially something like that, what's my purpose? And the Lord just gave me a nugget of what to say. I said, dad, your purpose is to bring me joy just by your very presence and to bring your family and people around you joy. And he's like, I can do that. It was really cool. Trying to help someone who is not in reality, painful, difficult. It was funny at times. Like he would say some funny things. He called me one time and he said, remember I was on a walk and he's like, Hey, I'm at my dorm room. He went to the university of Georgia. Can you come get me? I need my car. Like, Okay, dad, I'm on my way. <laughs> Here's what I want you to get from this. Jesus came to help us see reality. He came with his light to shine in the darkness so that we would think rightly about God. That we'd, we would push away the disillusion and the darkness about what God is like as well as God's disposition towards you. Most people walking around, if they believe in God, think God's angry with them and his disposition and yet Jesus came to show that his disposition is one of a heavenly father who loves his kids. And that he'll, he'll spare no expense, even at the expense of his son's life, that you and I would know how much the father loves us. If you're struggling with that today, I encourage you, look at the life of Jesus. He shows us how much God loves us. So out with the old, let's go in with the new. How do we go in with the new? I would say this. Embrace Jesus' way of thinking and relating to the Father. How did Jesus think and talk about the Father? How did he relate to his Father? Because you've got to remember, Jesus wasn't a superhero. He wasn't a phantom. He was flesh and blood just like you and I. He entered into this world and was a human being just like you and I. When he ate garlic, he had bad breath. He had to use the restroom. I mean, all the things that we go through, the elements. Um, when he was a, a baby, Mary had to change his little diety, and, and he probably cried at the being cold and uncomfortable. And yet, he related to his father from such a young age to say, I want to do your will. I, want to, I know I'm connected with you. I know I'm not separated from you, even though I'm in this fallen world of Adam. I'm not separated from you. Jesus made some bold claims, did he not? 
He said he was the son of God, the son of man, the Messiah. But maybe one of the boldest claims he made is in John 14, where he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's saying, I'm the way. I'm the, I'm the only way to God. I'm the truth. I'm reality. What I'm saying, speaking, and living in front of you is reality. And I'm the only way to the Father. Way, the truth, that He is life. And He's the inclusive Savior. Come one, come all. No matter, no matter where you've been, what you've done, come. But He's the exclusive Savior. There's not many paths to God. There's one way, and it's through His Son. I'm glad He took the guesswork out of it for all of us, right? He took the guesswork. He said, follow me. You'll, you'll know the Father. So how do we embrace Jesus' way of thinking? I'd say this, walk in the truth by learning to see the Father as Jesus explained Him. Remember that last verse in John 1.18, God the Son has explained what the Father is like by His life and His teachings. And we have to, I was thinking about this this week, like Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I kind of had a little self-talk and I said, hey, Scott, are you walking in freedom? Am I experiencing freedom? And I had to be honest and say, not in every area of my life, no. And I would ask that of you. Are you walking in freedom? Are you experiencing freedom on a day-to-day basis? Are you experiencing freedom in your key relationships? Are you experiencing freedom in your mind and in your emotions? The only way to experience the freedom is to know the truth. And the truth is a person. His name is Jesus. The Apostle Paul in that chapter 4 of Ephesians, he goes on to talk about this new way of thinking. He says, but this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one, that's Jesus, and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. The old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. There we go. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Is that good news? That's some standing ovation news. Fall on your face. Jesus, thank you. A teacher that I like to to listen to a lot always comments on, he says the question, what does Jesus know? What does he know that you and I don't know? Jesus is free and willing to share all that he knows about the Father and us and humanity. We just need to ask him. Jesus, what do you know that I don't know? And and to desire to know what Jesus knows is going to lead us to freedom. Again, if you're not experiencing freedom, we need to experience Jesus. And as you experience him, you experience freedom. Remember, he's face to face with the Father. What was Jesus afraid of? Nothing. 
He was in the, my, one of my favorite stories about Jesus is when the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and a bad storm hits and they think they're going to drown. And it says Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep, sawing logs. And they wake him up. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? He's like, he stands up, peace be still, and everything stops. And they were like, whoa, like this dude, <laughs> he's the one. He's sleeping in the middle of a storm. We just had to do a couple really long flights. I hate turbulence because I feel so out of control. And I would say on our first leg to go out to, to Hawaii, the plane was just all over. No one could get up to use the restroom and all of that. And, and I'm just white knuckled the whole time. And if I look over and see someone sleeping, I'm like, have you not seen the beginning of Lost, the first episode of Lost? We might be in that episode right now. Jesus gave analogies about human fathers. He said, if you being evil know how to give good things to your kids, how much more does our heavenly father give good gifts, give good things? He said, if you being evil know how to, your kid asks for a loaf of bread, you wouldn't give him a scorpion. That just is within you not to, to do bad towards your kids. How much more our Heavenly Father, being with little Jolene, our granddaughter, and you just see this, this little five-month-old who has no fears, who's just loved 24-7, cared for. It's amazing to watch. And this analogy of our Father being this perfect, caring, loving, nurturing, all-wise God, and that's the picture he wants us to get. Jesus, when he explained what the father was like, he uses the prodigal son story. You want to know what the father's like? These two sons, they, blow, they ask for their inheritance. One asked for his inheritance, was basically said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Can I have my inheritance? And he goes and squanders it, you know, on party life. And he comes to his senses and he comes home. And Jesus says that, the father was waiting and he ran to him and he embraced him, even though that prodigal son had a speech waiting to say, hey, I, I can just be one of your workers or your hired hands or whatever. And he says, stop talking. My son who I thought was dead has been found. And they threw a party. That's what Jesus was trying to explain how the heavenly, our heavenly father's disposition towards you is. If you've been a parent before and your kids screw up, that doesn't make you stop loving them when they fail. You, you, you love them even more and you pray even more. Our Heavenly Father. One time I was walking and I was making a practice of just receiving the Father's love. And just, Father, I receive your love. And I heard this little prompting in my head. Scott, do you love your kids? And I began to bawl like a baby. People walking by me thought probably I just lost somebody or something. But I started crying because the father was telling me, I know you love your kids, but I love you 10,000 times more than you love your kids and perfectly. That's the father's disposition towards you. And then to embrace Jesus' way of thinking, walk in the light 
by pursuing to live and love as Jesus did. Live and love as Jesus did. John 8, 12. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness. Will never walk in that problem of darkness. And the context is the woman caught in adultery. Don't know where the man was when they brought this lady in front of Jesus, but they were trying to trick Jesus or to see if he really loved the law of Moses. They say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of, very act of adultery. Um, you know, the law of Moses says that we should stone her. And Jesus goes, okay. Any of you without sin, feel free to cast the first stone. It says Jesus knelt down and began to write something in the ground. We don't know what he wrote. But one by one, from oldest to youngest, they left the scene. Jesus stands up and he says, woman, where are those that condemn you? And he says, she says, well, they've all left. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then he utters, I'm the light of the world. Follow me and you won't walk in darkness. Follow him. Jesus said that, you know, when you look at the life of Jesus, and if he's our picture of what God is like, we have a humble God. We have a, a God who is unselfish, a God who practiced what he preached in loving his enemies and forgiving the unforgivable. He said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's our God. <laughs> so when we're serving, and we're not getting anything out of the serving, we're acting like God. We're acting like Jesus. We're becoming like Jesus. It was funny. Um, when we visited Chase and her husband and little Jolene, we stayed on a marine base. That's where they live. And it's like a little community, its own little city. And there's a place called the commissary. And there's like Taco Bell and you know, other fast foods. And the commissary is the grocery store where people in the military get to go buy their groceries. But in this parking lot... You see, the, the, the closest parking lot to the commissary had painted on them E9. So if you had a ranking of E9 or above, you could park in the privileged parking spot. And everybody else, you, you get to walk to the commissary. And I had this aha moment as we were walking in there. I thought, in the kingdom of Jesus, the people of higher rank, they're doing the walking. They're parking the farthest. They have a higher rank. You park here and you walk the farthest. You get to be most inconvenient. And to the lower rank, you get the good spot. That's the upside down kingdom of Jesus. It's, it's not self-preserving. It's self-giving. And that's how we walk in the light. It's not some mystical, weird experience. It's putting into practice what Jesus says to do. He means it when he says, forgive one another, love one another. Provide for one another. In John 14, 20, Jesus told the disciples, he said, on that day, and he was talking about the day of Pentecost, he said, you will know that I'm in my Father, my Father is in me, and I'm in you. You'll know it. The, you'll have the tuning fork will go off in your heart. That you're in my relationship with my Father. Not a relationship like it, but adoption in, in the New Testament is that we've been brought into the very relationship of the Father and Son through the Holy Spirit. I mean, no, that's good news. You, 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 by faith, we're part of the family here and understanding that and learning how to live in that. 
So we're face to face with God now. We look at the face of Jesus, we see the face of God. And we're with the Father face to face. He heals us from our pain. He, we're face to face, He gives us a new identity. We're face to face, He takes away our insecurities. And we find the most secure place you and I can be is in the very relationship between the Trinitarian God of eternity of the Father, Son, and Spirit and be in that relationship. That's the most secure place you could ever be. And you, you, you and I embrace that and agree by faith. So here's a couple things I thought about. Face to, he's face to face with us in our fear. He's face to face in our fear. Fathers, when you hold your kids or you're playing with them, moms too, but when, you, when you, you're face to face with your little ones and you look them in the face, isn't that the, one of the most coolest things? Like holding little Jolene and listen to her giggle and coo and make, I mean, it's, it's, there's an intimacy. He's with us in our fears. What are you fearing today? He's face to face with you in that. He's face to face in our pain. I know some folks are going through physical and emotional and relational pain. He's face to face with you. He's face to face in our sadness. People have gone through some some loss and you're sad. Remember, he's face to face with you. He's, He's face to face with us in his freedom. God is free and we're with him in his freedom. Face to face in his peace. Face to face in his joy. And face to face in his rest. We can be like Jesus in the middle of a storm in the back of the boat taking a nap because he's got this my every year i try to go into the new year and pray about a word that's going to define my year a goal that's that i'm going to have and last year my word was rest it didn't go so well (laughs) It, it didn't go so well but what i came to realize is it's so easy to try to find rest in circumstances people um, a vacation. If I could just get that vacation, then I'll, I'll rest. I mean, it's helpful, but uh, you, sometimes you need a vacation from your vacation after you get home. You're tired. And I realized as I began to pray about what my word was going to be for this year, my word is discipleship. And to be a disciple is to be a learner and a follower of Jesus. That's what discipleship means. And for me personally, I'm going to keep growing myself in my walk and I want to help us as a church be be disciples who make disciples and that we walk with Jesus and when when we fall we get back up we keep following him and as I I was uh, talking to Christy this week talking to Christy this week about the service and I was kind of struggling a little bit like how do we bring this home and um, she told me a story about what happened to her recently and I said would you mind sharing that with the peeps and she said she would so yes so um last year was actually my first year that I picked a word I didn't normally do that and I saw everybody on Facebook I was like I'm gonna do this and I actually did pick rest also because I figured you know I'm gonna finish my master's in June and then this is gonna be the summer of Christy I am going to rest and I'm gonna have just so much enjoyment and not have to worry about anything and 
it didn't go so well. Um, starting in July, I lost my grandmother, as many of you know, and I was, she was my rock, and it devastated me. And then it just started building. August was my first trip to the ER, and I was, I was upset already about losing my grandmother, and then I'm upset about this, and then to hear that I'd been misdiagnosed for four years because nobody thought to do lab work, and then to have surgery, and it just... All these things kept piling up and piling up. And each time I'd say, that's okay. I can handle this. It's okay. I can handle this. And I just kept pushing it farther down. I can do this. I can do this. And um, my mom used to say when I was little, my, first, my favorite phrase all the time was, I do all by myself. I do all by myself. And I feel like this is what I was trying to do. I kept saying, it's okay. I can do this. And I felt like every month there was something. Xander got sick. We were at the doctor's office. And then I found out some information that completely changed my whole view on my life and who I am. And each time, that's okay, I've got this. And um, beginning of the new year, I'd actually had a talk with Ben, and I said, you know, I feel like I, I haven't changed anything, and I'm trying, but I don't, I don't feel the same with God. I just don't feel the same, and I don't know what it is. And uh, about a couple weeks ago, I started noticing that my blood pressure was going up. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, I recently found out I have a history of a lot of heart disease and all. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this, you know. And so I go to the doctor, I go to the nurse, they do a checkup, and she's like, yeah, you got high blood pressure. <laughs> and she took it a few times. She said, try to rest, try to relax a little bit. We'll take it again in a few minutes. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And she came back in and I said, I just feel like I have this tightness in my chest that won't go away. And she took it again and she said, we're going to need you to get on blood pressure medicine. I'm going to make an appointment that you're going to, you know, come with the doctor. They're going to put you on blood pressure medicine. I said, okay. And I accepted it. And I was like, that's just how it is. Last Saturday, I um, just watching football with my family, and then all of a sudden, my chest starts getting tight, and it keeps getting worse and worse, and I take my blood pressure, and I'm like, oh, Ben, this is not good, and it's getting higher, and it's getting higher, so finally, I said, go ahead and just call, call the nurse line, so I call the nurse line, and it's in the middle of my conversation with the nurse that I finally have this aha, and I said, I'm having a panic attack, and I told the nurse that, I said, I, I know what's wrong, I'm having a panic attack. And Ben came in and said, I feel like this whole time, it's like I've had this, this container and I've just been pushing down and pushing down and layering and layering, and it's all just coming out now. And I said, I'm angry. I am angry, and I haven't allowed myself to be angry. And I can't keep doing this, and I can't keep going like this. And I had a conversation with God, and I said, God, I did it again. I screwed up again. Because this whole time I should have been giving all these things to you. And I kept thinking, I can handle this. It's okay. I can do this. And I said, God, I can't do this. I need you to take this. I want you to take this. Please take this. And I felt such a peace. And I just started doing that every day. God, no, I'm not taking this on anymore. I'm giving it to you. I was never supposed to fight this. You know, we just talked about God of angel armies and he's by my side. He goes in front of me and all. But I wasn't allowing him to do that. I said, God, nope. This is you. This is you. And you know, Scott talked about freedom and emotions, and I, I didn't have that. And so I just kept praying, and each day I noticed my blood pressure went down a little bit and all. Well, I show up for my appointment Wednesday, and on the way to my appointment, I actually started feeling this tightness, and Xander was in the backseat. I said, Xander, close your eyes. We're praying. I said, God, I want the doctors to see whatever they need to see, however my body really is. But God, please give me a peace right now. I give it to you. Please don't let it be because of this stress because of things that I didn't give to you, because I wasn't willing to give it to you. And I go in, and they did all the stuff, and the nurse, the nurse um, checks my vitals, and the doctor comes in, and she said, well, I'm not sure why you're here. I said, well, 
uh, you're, I'm, you're putting me on blood pressure medicine. She said, your blood pressure is 120 over 76. You don't have high blood pressure. And she said, I see the numbers from last week, but I'm telling you, you don't have high blood pressure. She said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And that was like my reminder. Yes, God, <laughs> I need to keep doing this. And I wish I could say that it's perfect and I never have to repeat that process. But like he, you were talking about t- getting rid of the, those stinking thinking it, it's got to be a daily thing. For me, it's a daily thing. I'm like, God, no. I've had situations come up since, and I'm like, nope, not doing it. Nope, not doing it. So just to encourage you, because I allowed myself to just take it on, and we were never intended to take that on. He's there for us. The God who is in charge, we say he's, he's over all the world. Our world is part of that world. He's the ruler of our world, and he can take anything that's happening in our lives, too. So. Amen. Let's give God praise. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you on her testimony and when anybody's up here being vulnerable, that's, that's teaching, like you're not alone in your struggles. Like there's no uh, elite place where you get, where you don't have struggles and fears and things that she'd been walking with Jesus since she was in the womb. So, um, toddling with Jesus, but it it still happened. So, um, let's stand up. We're going to close with a prayer, but let's sing that song, Whom Shall I Fear, one more time. Cast your cares upon Jesus. His shoulders are big and broad to carry it. Nothing out in front of you in a posture of receiving. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you his peace this day and forevermore. May you walk in the freedom that's been provided by Jesus and the rest and the wisdom and the power to overcome hurtful habits, difficult situations. May you walk wholeheartedly after him, trusting him, believing in him, knowing that God our Father is good and that he is love. His very nature, his very essence, his very being is love. May you know that and experience the love of the Father this week. And may that spill out over into your relationships, to, to your pain, your sadness, your, your griefs, your joys, your ups, your downs to bring glory to His amazing name, 
the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.